I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Ask the Coaches podcast. Today we're doing another episode of the Ask the Coaches podcast and we have on today Jason and Victoria. So Jason has been coaching for over 12 years now. Um, He used to coach at the college level, high school level, and also at the club level, coaching marathoners. And when he was a college coach, he coached, you know, the one mile, the 5K. Um, So he has a vast experience coaching um, a lot of different events as well as running those events himself. And then I um, started Run for PRs seven years ago. So I have about seven years of coaching experience, mainly working online with athletes and runners of all abilities and um, working towards all distance goals. So we put up on our Instagram um, a week ago some questions to ask the audience. And so we just pulled the first couple of questions that came in and we're going to be discussing those questions in detail and kind of providing a more in-depth approach and in-depth answer to a lot of the questions that come in. And a lot of these questions that are asked on our Instagram and social media are questions that we get quite often. So we try to pull the questions that are ones that a lot of people ask and are curious about. And sometimes we don't ask our questions because we think, oh, maybe it's a dumb question or we don't really want to seem like we don't um, understand something, but it's really awesome to have that anonymous question asking, and then we will just do a discussion on all of these questions. So first we're going to talk about what the questions are. So you have a little bit of an idea of what is to come on this podcast. So for this episode, we only have four questions that came in um, that we decided to talk about. So the first question is, Why is slowing down on my easy days so hard? This athlete also reported that they always feel like they are in the gray zone. So for you guys who don't necessarily know what the gray zone means, it's um, we've done a few posts about this on social media. It's basically where you are running too fast for an easy day but too slow to be a workout or a race. Um, So they're having a really hard time finding what their true easy pace is and actually allowing themselves to go slow enough so that they are in that slow, easy, aerobic zone. And a lot of runners struggle with this. Um, I think this is the number one thing that people can do to improve their running uh, is to slow down on their easy days. And it is, there's a lot that we're going to unpack in this questions and we're going to give a lot of tips for what to do to slow down on your easy days. If you're struggling with that, the next question that came in was how often should I do speed workouts for half marathon training? 
And so in this question, we're going to unpack what exactly is a speed workout. We're kind of going to talk about the definition there. Then we're going to give some ideas for what sort of workouts you could do um, building to a half marathon. And keeping in mind, the half marathon is 99% aerobic. So we're going to focus a little bit about how to train specifically that system and how to get the most bang for your buck out of your half marathon training. The next question that came in was, for my first marathon, how many runs and strength strength training sessions would you recommend? So there's a lot to unpack in this question, right? Uh, first marathon training, everyone kind of wants to know um, what it's going to look like and if they're ready to do it. And there's just a lot of unknowns when it comes to signing up for and beginning training for your first 26.2. I think a lot of runners um, who've maybe done halves or 10Ks, they're curious about the marathon distance and maybe what it would take. Um, so we're gonna unpack a little bit about that in this question. Then the final question that came in was, do people end up racing in the gray zone? So again, we defined gray zone um, in question one as too slow or too, yeah, too slow for a workout but too fast for an easy day. So it's kind of this gray zone, right? Where you're not getting a lot of benefits. They wanted to know if it's okay to race in the gray zone and is that bad? So we're gonna talk a little bit about the paces you should be running for different races um, and maybe what pace is very close to the gray zone pace for a lot of people. So it might actually surprise you to know uh, many people run marathons in the gray zone. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about why that is and why it actually might be a good idea to run in the gray zone for maybe you know your first couple marathons um, instead of running marathon pace if that seems a little bit too aggressive uh, so we'll talk a little bit about pacing there so diving into this first question here why is slowing down so hard i feel like i'm always in the gray zone so first of all just to say to this person or anyone listening, you definitely are not alone. So this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And even myself, I think I struggled the first decade of my running career with this whole concept of slowing down. Um, I would try to run as fast as possible on my easy days. So like I would go to the VDOT calculator and I would get what my easy pace should be. And I looked at like the fastest possible pace I could run my easy days at. And that was the pace that I made myself run every single day for my easy day because I thought, I don't know what I, it was just like a mental hang up. So Jason, have you had this experience? Is this common? Can you talk a little bit about this question? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I think we just had a car conversation about it yesterday about, um, you know, how, as we've grown, we've tended, you know, we've learned to slow down more on our easy days. And when I was in my twenties, you know, fresh out of college, you know, we didn't really have GPS or Garmin, but I can tell you that I was probably running um, borderline gray zone pace mm -hmm. on like a daily run. And so we would always kind of push the pace in college. And I just think that that transferred over into, you know, running as an adult. And so I think it kind of boils down to how you start running and how you get into it. What is your approach like? Um, if you're someone that, you know, you start running as an adult, sometimes it can be difficult to learn how to pace, right? And we think that because we're going on a run, we have to get this great workout in. So it can be difficult to think about just going super slow, keeping our heart rate really low, keeping our, our um, you know, our gait and our efficiency just kind of consistent 
with each stride. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a process. And, you know, you mentioned the VDOT calculator using these is a great tool to help, you know, determine where you should be training for your paces. Right. Yeah. So I loved how you talked about like the different phases of your running career, Mm -hmm. right? So you were a little bit privileged in the fact that you started running in middle school and high school. You had coaches, they told you to go slow on your easy days. So from the get go, you had at least like a foundational understanding that you were supposed to have like some days that were harder, some days that were easier. Um, And so even having that foundation in your running and in your training, you still, you know, sometimes probably went a little bit too fast on your easy day. So I think that's a really important point is to understand that just because you know that you are supposed to go slow doesn't make it necessarily any easier. Um, Whereas you have some cases where people, they start running as an adult, um, maybe myself included, but just a funny random story is you ran into our neighbor once on a run, you guys were going like 7.30 pace, um, and then you kind of got to asking him about if he's ever done races. And it turns out like his 10K race pace is 7.30 pace. So here he was going out on, and he called this an easy run. He was running his 10K race pace on an easy run. And so for him, he had he really didn't have any concept of like, that was maybe too fast for a training run. But like, that's what a lot of people do. If you start running as an adult, I know I did this. I would just be like, okay, I'm going to try to run basically as fast as I can, as long as I can. And, and that's kind of the whole concept of running to a lot of people is just going out there running like harder. And that's just all they know about running. There's not a lot of, not a lot of people run. Right. And I feel like it's a little bit of like a siloed community where it's like, mm-hmm. Uh, the information there's just so much of it and it's not I feel like it's not as well known as like the strength training community right I feel like the running community is maybe a little smaller so there's a lot of people that do run but maybe they don't know the science as well so I think it's really good that we're talking about this um, and just the concept of easy running so I think for this person it's just really great to even just grasp the concept right so you're already light years ahead of like most people who run regularly um, just to understand the concept and knowing that it might not be something that happens completely overnight right so if we kind of told our neighbor like hey you know if you slow down we didn't say this but if we did kind of just explain the concept to um, our neighbor or anyone who always goes out and runs really hard, it's just something to like sink in and then maybe maybe you try it a few times. Maybe you see what it feels like to slow down um, because it is such a drastic change. And expecting that overnight you're just gonna like wake up, go outside and run 10 minute pace instead of like your usual eight minute pace, um, it can be really hard to make that drastic of a change. But if you are looking to make that drastic of a change, you're going to see big results right away, right? So I think for people who are really interested in, you know, maybe they've been frustrated, they're running at the same pace all the time, they really want to see results, they really wanna see change. And I know that was where I was at when I really started to have to embrace this, you know, I need to slow down on my easy days concept, right? And maybe you're someone who used to get away with being running too fast on your easy days. I know that was the case for me. And then I got a little bit older. Um, I had kids and I just couldn't get away with it anymore. Um, and so as you change and as your season of life changes, you might need to adjust your training appropriately. So all of this kind of ranting here, but basically going slow on your easy days is 
a very good thing to do. Um, it might feel different. So I think that's something that we should kind of talk about is the feeling of easy running and what that feels like versus just a regular old gray zone run or a tempo run. Like how does easy running feel to you if you could describe it? Yeah. You know, it almost feels like you're, you're holding back and that you're, it almost feels uncomfortable, right? Cause like Mm -hmm. your form, you're, you're trying to like slow down. And so it feels like you're making this adjustment. And so, um, you know, you might think of yourself as like, wow, am I even a runner? Like I'm out, I'm out for a jog right now. So it's one of those things. And, and that's why I think I see this as a problem, not just with beginner runners, but I know a lot of like intermediate runners and even some advanced level runners who, you know, are pretty respect, have pretty respectable times. They struggle with this concept. And I, so I don't think it's just like a problem for beginner runners. And, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, yeah, obviously like your comfortability, a little bit of your ego, like what might happen if I slow down, there might be this fear, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, long-term approach, it's the best, the best thing you can do is to kind of polarize your training and have these really easy days. Um, because these advanced level athletes that I'm referring to, I've seen a few of them, um, sort of hit plateaus over mm-hmm. time. And then they are forced to either, they kind of get burnt out. So they maybe like take some time off or they end up with an injury. Mm-hmm. And so basically they have to implement some sort of drastic change in order right. to um, get to a new level with their running. And so, you know, if you are a beginner or a middle level runner, you know, if you consider yourself one of those at one of those levels, just know that you're not alone. But um, I, I think it's really important to, when I, when I have a lot of athletes that start working with me um, and I look at their previous training, they don't really have like um, hard workouts. And so you'll see a lot mm-hmm. of just like these gray zone runs, right? Because they're never really pushing it. So if you can start to add in, you know, introduce some speed work or some threshold running, then you're more likely, I think, to embrace the easy running on your recovery days. Yeah, it's kind of like the yin and the yang. You need to have one of the other. And so, like you were saying, adding in like the threshold workouts can really help you slow down on your easy days. Because if you're working hard on your hard days, then on those easy days, it's like you don't want to be hammering it or running hard. But I think that's a mental trap a lot of people can get into, myself included, like five, six years ago. I used to say, well, I can't do a workout. Like, I just, I'm not good at workouts. Or, oh, that workout sounds too hard. But in reality, it was that I was running too hard on my easy days. And so I wasn't really doing workouts or I would reduce the workouts or I would, you know, cut the paces of the workouts down. Um, And it really wasn't a true polarization of training. And I think a lot of people get caught in that because they're like, well, I don't really want to do hard workouts. And it's like, everyone runs for different reasons, right? So like you said, when someone um, is kind of at that plateau where they really want to like see results and make the change, that's when a lot of people start saying, okay, what, what do I need to do? And that's when you really need to start evaluating your training. I mean, if you're, you're getting injured or you're just not seeing improvements like you want to, these are things where it's like, you really have to take a hard look at what you are doing And that's when, you know, you might be willing to start making these changes. But I think for some people, it's like you almost have to reach a rock bottom of like frustration in order to really fully embrace. And so um, I hope that people don't have to like reach that that point where it's like, okay, I've been at the same level for like three years. (laughs) I'm desperate to do something different or oh, like I've been injured on and off for two years. I'm desperate to do something different. Um, but I do see that those are the patterns that happen before people really do embrace um, the the concept of easy running. But 
we do have six uh, tips that like you can implement. So let's say you don't want to reach that rock bottom. Let's say you want to like be proactive. You want to start doing this now. Um, this is great. These are great tips that you can do to start running slower on your easy days right now. So the first one, like we already talked about, would be actually having hard running days. And so if you're not currently doing anything like that, maybe starting with strides, starting with a tempo run, a progression run, start to experiment with something a little bit harder on you know two days per week and then see what happens to your easy days. Um, that can definitely help polarize things and help you become a little bit more fatigued going into your easy days so that you have... Um, an easier time slowing down. Um, the next tip is making sure you're running enough mileage. So making sure that you're running a challenging amount of mileage so that you're not running on fresh legs every single time you go out there or you just want to hammer it, right? So the idea is finding your mileage sweet spot. I know we've done a few posts about this on social media. We also have a workbook you can download um, on our website called Commit 60, and it will help you to figure out exactly what your sweet spot, sweet spot mileage is um, based on like a questionnaire and all of those things. Um, so Jason, how do you really know if you're running enough mileage? Because that's kind of like a, a broad question. Yeah, I mean, there's so many answers here. I guess looking at, you know, previous... Um, previous experience with racing and training and what mm -hmm. you've currently been doing like the last four to six weeks especially um, and not just for mileage but for like workouts and then your tendencies with paces and stuff so it's kind of the same um, as tip number one you know we want to make sure that we're running enough so that we feel like we need to slow down on, on our on the next day for example yep. because we have a workout coming up or we have this like eight mile you know longer run coming up so it's sort of the same concept where we want to sort of save the legs um, for the harder days. If you're someone that just runs like four or five days a week, three to four miles each time, um, there's nothing really polarizing about that. So you might be ten tempted to kind of run the same pace um, and that sort of thing. And so that's kind of why we want to vary not just our pacing, but the, the amount of mileage that you're doing as well throughout the week and from week to week. All right. Yeah, really good point. Um, number three, tip number three is do not listen to music, especially upbeat music. You're really going to want to avoid music on these easy running days. Um, upbeat music, if you have your headphones in, if it's blasting, you're not hearing your breathing. You're not um, kind of tuning into your body, you're tuning into the music. So I find that if I'm not listening to music, I definitely am able to go at a slower pace. Tip number four would be running with slower people. So in this case, um, Jason, you running with me, that would be a good way for you to slow down, bad for me, right? So when I go and run with you, right. I'm in a situation where I'm forced to speed up. So I would say, make sure you have some running buddies who are slower than you on race day, right? So um, like significantly, we don't want to even go with people who are in a marathon like 10 minutes behind you. Go with someone who is significantly slower than you. Find some running buddies that um, are a group that you can go with and always go with a slower pace group. Um, that's my recommendation for sure. Tip number five would be do not have caffeine before your runs. So caffeine, it kind of gets you going. Um, it can kind of like be an adrenaline pumper. I know whenever I'm like super revved up, caffeinated, and I've been waiting for my run, I feel like it's harder to go slow because right off the gate, if you have your first mile fast, it's hard to like slow down from there. So if you do it a little bit more tired in a state where, you know, you have a little bit more fatigued, 
it can help you go slower. And then another tip, the sixth tip might be opt for no watch or make these runs private on Strava because I know sometimes there's mm-hmm. that whole pressure of like people watching you. So this could be something even you implement if you're running in a park where there's a lot of people and you find that like you don't like it when people pass you or you find that you're getting a little bit competitive with your environment. These are all things that can cause you to run too fast. So try to just keep in mind that you do run faster when people are watching or even if you feel like people are watching. So if you have a Strava account that's public and in the back of your head, you know it's going to be uploaded, that can change your mentality. It can subconsciously make you run faster. And if your goal is to slow down, maybe we need to kind of avoid um, that, that external pressure for sure. So just a review of the six things you can do today to help you slow down on your easy days and slowing down we want to go at least at least two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5k race pace i personally right now i'm finding that three to four minutes per mile slower than my 5k race pace is um, more my jam for easy days so here are the six tips make sure you're actually doing your hard running days Number two is make sure you are running enough mileage. Number three is do not listen to music when you run. Number four is run with people who are slower than you. Number five, do not have caffeine before you run. And number six is opt for not posting your runs to social media and not running where there's a lot of people around where you're tempted to run faster than you know you should. So moving on to the next question, It is how often should I do speed workouts for a half marathon? So I guess we wanted to define maybe what exactly is a speed workout um, and then kind of what what are variations within like what is a workout, Jason? Yeah, this is a good one because I know a lot of runners, they'll come to me and, you know, they'll say, you know, I did this for speed workouts. And then a lot of times that when I dive deeper, I found out that that was just really like some threshold work or some like, you know, tempo runs. So. To me, when I hear the word speed workout, I'm thinking like basically interval paces. So if you're, you know, mm-hmm. if you're on that VDOT calculator, you can kind of see the different ranges. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking interval paces or even the repetition pace, paces, depending on like kind of what level you're at and what you're training for. So the threshold and the marathon or steady state paces, those are going to be um, uh, kind of its own category. So yes, those are still workouts, but I don't consider them speed. And so when this question comes you know, comes to us, it's really, you know, when we think about the half marathon, I think it's more important to get more of the threshold and the um, steady state type workouts. We still want to sprinkle in small doses of speed just so that we're used to running fast and we know what it's like to run fast on tired legs, that sort of thing. But you definitely don't need to be doing them that frequently. So it'll really depend on, you know, really your training, how many half marathons you've done, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, recent training, especially how many days per week you're going to be running, all of these factors. So the answer might be different for each, you know, athlete, but I would say anywhere from one speed workout a month to maybe up to three. It really just depends. Right, definitely. I love your answer. And I think a lot of people, when they talk casually, speed workout could mean a lot of things, right? They might be actually doing tempo runs, like you said. Um, And I do think, you know, the threshold is the bread and butter for anything that's going to be 
half marathon or longer. And so a lot of half marathon training might look similar to marathon training, except for those long runs are probably gonna look a little bit different. So instead of doing like a really long run, you might be cutting that long run down and, and making it more of a threshold or a tempo type of run. Um, so yeah, it just really depends based on what you are currently doing. And customized training is definitely the way to go for um, any of these trainings, right? So if that's something that you're interested in and you want um, more customized, personalized advice based on where you are at and what your goals are, I think it would be good to get a free consultation with us or even just um, like a month of coaching just to see what it would look like for half marathon training. You can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com and we always do a free seven day trial um, and even signing up just for like a phone phone consultation with a coach if you can get some of your questions answered and have someone kind of evaluate your current training and get a more specific answer, I think that is best because sometimes when it's just like generic advice, it's not always um, as helpful. Um, but like you said, two to one to three times a week, it could really just vary based on yeah. the person. Um, so the next question is for the first marathon, how many runs and strength training sessions would you recommend? So again, this is kind of going back to the last question, very similar for more customized advice, definitely good to work with a coach. But um, this year we did actually release a free training program that talked about going through your first marathon. So if that's something that you're interested in, we still have that for free on our website. So if you go to www.runforprs.com, drop down project 26.2, you're gonna get like a 30 page PDF with a ton of marathon topics, how to pace everything, and an 18 week marathon training plan. Um, this training plan, we actually created it based on what most people come to us with, right? So most people we find, this is just like average, right? It's like the, the most average person that comes to us for a marathon training, we find they usually start at about 25 miles per week. That's just about roughly where they're at. Um, some people, they come to us and they're running 60, 70, 80 miles a week. Some people come to us and they're not running it at all, right? So it just really depends. We have everywhere in between. So this is why we started that marathon training plan at about 25 miles a week, built to about 40. Um, and that's, you know, like what I would say average that we work with does. So I don't know if that helps answer their question. Um, typically, people are running about four, maybe five days a week when you are training for a marathon. Um, always there are some people that do, you know, seven days a week or more. There's some people that like doubles, right? Or there's some people that will train with three days per week with more cross training. We typically would recommend that you continue doing strength training two times a week throughout marathon training, just because there's a lot of benefits in terms of injury prevention and strength training is really important, right? So running doesn't always strengthen your all of your muscles, right? Strength training is important for everyone all the time, I think. Um, we as runners sometimes undervalue that or we think we don't need to do it because, oh, we're running so much, but strength training is super important. Do it two times per week, even during marathon training. Um, running four days a week, probably at a minimum. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Um, you know, basically this should always be a progressive build um, when we're talking about the strength and the running. So, you know, if you're running like twice a week 
and you're going to start off running or you're going to bump it up to four or five days a week right away, it's probably not wise. So you want to kind of ease into it. So that's kind of the, the problem with these generic plans is that sometimes it's not right. a nice gradual build for you. Yes. Um, so you want to make sure that you have a foundation when you start off. Like basically you should already be doing what the first and second yes. week says you're, you should do. Okay. That's a good sign mm -hmm. to know that if this is sort of the right level for you and where you're at. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, so many factors come to play here. Like, you know, previous experience, um, you know, if it's a first time marathoner, obviously we're going to err on the side of caution just because there's so many unknowns with how your body might respond to these longer runs. You know, mm -hmm. once we start getting upwards of 13 to 15 miles and you're out there for two, two and a half, three hours, you know, we want to make sure that we're not also adding in speed on top of that. Um, <clears throat> and so it's really going to depend on the athlete and with strength. You know, if you have, if you're a motivated person and you're just kind of like, you know, I have all the time in the world, just tell me what's the best I can do. You know, yeah, two days a week's great for like general lifting. You can also add in an extra day or two of more like what I would call preventative strength. So that's more focused around like stability, mobility. So, um, you know, especially if you have uh, injury history in cert of certain areas, you could you could target like foot strength or lower leg extremity strength, and so. Um, it really kind of comes down to the time that you're able to allocate um, for your training each week and then sort of mapping out uh, a progressive plan to get you there. So, you know, you mentioned two days a week of strength training, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be at the gym putting up, you know, barbell squats and deadlifts, um, especially right away in your, in your training. So it might start with doing um, bodyweight exercises and then slowly building from there. And so it's a very, you know, individualized um program i would say and it'll it'll a lot of times depend on you know what you've been doing in their recent history right yeah i think it's really important to have more customized training it's so you know first marathon it's just funny because you as a first marathoner you had been running for you know what like 15 years you were a 414 miler you ran you know six days a week and that's like one and you trained for your first marathon with that as your background then yesterday I was in one of our Facebook groups that we have um, and someone was like, oh, you know, I want to do the Disney Marathon. It'll be my first marathon. I have a seven-month-old and a three-year-old three and I haven't ran uh, since before I got pregnant with my seven-month-old. So she hasn't ran in two years, never done a marathon before. Um, she said her longest run right now is one mile and she wants to do a marathon in, in like four months. So that's... I mean, it's just, you have everywhere in between, right? So you have someone who's like literally running three days a week, one mile at a time to someone who is, you know, I would classify you as someone who was like sub-elite at the time. And, and so it's hard to give out generic first marathon advice because there's everywhere in between. But for someone who's more at the big, that um, more of a starting over beginner um, level, someone who hasn't ran in a while or wants to build up to the marathon, who's maybe only running a couple times a week or one mile at a time, um, my advice to her was, okay, let's set benchmarks, right? So in three weeks, you want to get to a 5K. In six weeks, you want to be at a 10K. In two and a half months, we want to we want to be up to half marathon. And so what that individual might be doing is, we're going to be walking, you know, four days a week. We're going to get our body used to movement four days a week. And so that might look like cross training. It might look like walk, going on 20, 30 minute walks. Um, maybe we're going to do some walk runs. We're going to build up slowly. So it's all about starting with what you are currently doing. Like you said, you want to find a plan where you look at the first week and you're like, okay, I pretty much am doing that already. Maybe there's like one extra day, but we don't want to like 
look at a plan and be like, ooh, that looks, you know, like I, that would get me in shape and just grab it. You want to do what you have been currently doing, maybe a little bit extra, then it's going to gradually build you to where you want to go. And so with that being said, always being open, making adjustments, and then don't expect like those overnight miracles, right? So the person who wants to do a marathon, who's at one mile of running, it's like, we're going to really need to have an honest look at what your first marathon is going to look like, right? So if you're cool with run walking it, um, doing a run walk method for your training, because we want to build you safely and slowly. And so for some people, it might not be realistic that you're going to be able to go out and like totally crush like a BQ on your first marathon and, and all that stuff, right? So it's all about managing expectations and just kind of understanding where you're at, what you're willing to commit in terms of training and what your background is, right? So you may be willing to commit, you know, everything you have for four months, but if you don't have the background, you're just not going to be able to hit those super high expectations on race day. And like you, when you trained for your first marathon, it's like you had the background, but you were not willing to commit everything you had for, you know, four or six months of training. You just kind of wanted to do a little bit less and, and enjoy your life while you were marathon training. So it's all about managing all of these things in your life and asking yourself, what do I hope to get out of this marathon experience? Um, and then just being realistic about how many days per week can I commit to? Because it's better to just upfront say, okay, I'm really honestly only going to run four days per week than to be like, oh, you know what? First month of marathon training, I'm going to go six days a week. I'm going to try to run super hard. I'm going to do something I've never done, right? And then you just kind of like crash and burn. And I know there have been a few messages that have been rolling in the last two months, right? As we're in August and September, um, some people have been training for these major marathons and then they, they do what I just described and yeah. they're like, oh, I'm so burnt out. Like I can't do it anymore. And it's like, well, if we would have just pulled back a little bit in those first couple of months um, and mm -hmm. had that steady build, you maybe wouldn't be at that place where you're feeling a little bit burnt out. So I always think err on the side of caution, do less um, than you think you should. It's probably the best way to go. Try to just stay as consistent as possible and that'll get you a lot further than I think most people give themselves credit for. So then the last question that we had was about the gray zone once again. So as we're talking about the marathon, I think it's kind of interesting to talk about how marathon pace and the gray zone pace can sometimes be very close, right? So do people end up racing in the gray zone? Is that bad? So earlier we defined the gray zone as a pace that is too slow for a workout, but too fast for an easy run. So what exactly is that gray zone? So it's usually about one to two minutes per mile slower than your 5k pace. So if you're someone who runs a 5k at seven minute pace, let's say, your gray zone is probably gonna be in that eight to 845 range. You wanna avoid that, that range because it's too fast for an easy run. Your easy pace should be probably, you know, nine to 10 minute pace. Mm -hmm. And it is too slow for a workout. So running 830 pace isn't really super hard for you, but it's not a workout, right? So you wanna be going at workout paces, you know, maybe doing some tempo runs in the 730s, doing some speed workouts in like 715, 720 pace range, right? Um, we wanna be avoiding like the, the eights right there. 
But if you were to go and train for a marathon, what you might find is that your marathon pace is right near that gray zone pace. So it might be, what, like eight minute pace, right? If you run a seven minute pace for your 5K, your marathon pace might be at about eight minute pace, which is very close to what your gray zone pace is, right? So let's chat a little bit about how, um, is the gray zone bad? Is it bad to run a marathon at gray zone? Um, and how do you how do you even pace a marathon, right? Like, what, how do you do it? Yeah, no, this is a good question. It's obviously a complex answer. And, you know, depending on how many marathons you've run, um, I'll take all these factors into consideration when I make a plan for a, uh, an athlete. And I'll look at their recent training. I'll look at their long runs, their workouts. And so this person, you know, I like this example that you gave the 20, you know, about 22 minute 5k because that's about seven minute pace. Um, yeah, you were right on with the marathon pace being eight, eight minutes. minutes. And so, oh, that's so funny. basically that gray zone is, you know, between, you know, eight to about 850 or nine minute pace. And so um, you, you should be avoiding that pace for the most part in training. Obviously, we're going to have some progression type runs that will get you in that pace. And so um, on race day, though, what, what, what we know about the marathon is that. Mm-hmm. Most people can't run their, you know, their goal marathon pace, um, or they don't do it, especially like on the first time around or whatever. Like it just takes, it takes a lot of time and experience and, um, a lot of things have to go right. Cause it is 26.2 miles. And so, um, you know, if you're someone that is going to try to target that eight minute pace, let's say that's your goal marathon pace. You're definitely going to start the marathon in the gray zone, like maybe even closer to your easy pace, but you're probably going to start around like 8.30 pace, which we know is right in the middle of the gray zone. And then you'll just mm-hmm. slowly chip away at getting down to the marathon pace and then you'll try to hold that pace. And uh, hopefully if you're feeling good, you will uh, surpass that a little bit towards the end and you can kind of make up some of that time. But that's sort of how I would approach a pacing plan. But and that's why I give uh, athletes a steady state zone. Usually it's about 20 seconds or so. Um, so it'd be like 8.20 to 8.00. And that way, on race day, they can start at that 820 or even a little bit slower the first mile or two and then ease into steady state zone. And so that's kind of how I would approach it. But, yeah, I think it's perfectly common to race the marathon in the steady state zone. Um, Right. For some athletes that aren't very well trained, it's common for them to race in their easy pace zone, too. That's just just what it boils down to. It really depends on experience and training and um, how polarized your training was, too. Right. I mean, that's just a whole concept in and of itself is like what pace you run marathon. Pace. Right. So just for background, right, there's racing marathons mm-hmm. and then there's just there's running it. And so what racing a marathon would be is kind of approaching it like you would a 5K. Right. So you tow the line, you're going to run as fast as possible for as long as possible. Right. So that would be the same for a marathon. You tow the line, you're going to try to run as fast as possible over 26.2 miles. Um, it's not just, oh, I hope to finish. It's not like, okay, I'm just going to go moderate. No, like some people like literally line up at the start line of a marathon and go, I'm going to literally like run as fast as I can. Um, I would say most people when they line up at the start of a marathon, don't feel, I, I don't even feel comfortable doing that. Um, and I've run 20 marathons, right? So I, I've come like close to trying to, to do that, but I just do not. I just don't, I, it's, it's very, it's scary, right? So to do that. So a marathon in and of itself is an accomplishment. So I think when you look at training and you're training, you can train at marathon pace, right? You can do training runs where you're doing steady state, you're doing marathon pace work and everything. But then when it comes to race day, you might look at what your history is at the marathon, right? So maybe you've never ran a marathon before. So maybe your first marathon goal is to finish and to run, you know, moderate, easy, easy to moderate where you're, you're being conservative 
where you you want to feel good you want to finish strong you don't want to like you know really kill yourself out there you just want to have a positive experience um so your marathon pace in training might have been about eight minute pace but when you go to approach the race and you want to feel good and be more conservative just experience what 26.2 is finish strong all those things maybe you're gonna say okay maybe my goal is gonna be 8 30 you know just add a few seconds per mile give yourself some leeway let yourself experience what this marathon is um so that's really important to know and then when you do do that so like you add some time onto what your marathon pace could be, you do end up in the gray zone for a marathon race, which is not a big deal, right? Um, A lot of people do that. I do that. Um, Almost every marathon I've ran has been pretty close to the gray zone. Um, Even, you know, marathon PRs, right? So that's, it's good just to kind of be okay with doing that um, and talk about that because yeah I think sometimes people are like oh I should always avoid the gray zone and it's like well you should avoid it in training for sure but if you're doing a race you know and even if you're racing like a 50k right if you are racing a 50k it would probably be gray zone as your race pace um if you're running a marathon or you're doing a steady effort or even just a half marathon if it's your first half marathon it it might be in the gray zone right you might just be going out there trying to get comfortable doing it so we all are racing for different reasons and we all approach the race with a different mindset. Um, I know a lot of people who like to go to a race and just have a positive experience and run um, negative splits and run hard and so that might mean starting in the gray zone, finishing at you know, like their threshold or race pace. And so it's all about how you wanna experience the race and um, sometimes that means running the gray zone. And is that bad? Definitely not. I think it should always be about are you enjoying yourself? Um, do you, is this what you want to do? Right. And so if that pace is comfortable for you on race day, I think that that, and that's what you want to do, then, then do that. No one says you have to go to a race and like crush it or like put it on the line. Right. Some people just don't find that to be enjoyable mm-hmm. and do what makes you happy. Right. We can all set goals and we can all find success within running maybe in different ways. And so for some people, um, I know even just the coaches that we have at Run for PRs, it's very interesting because some of us will race. So specifically Ben Jacobs will race like regardless of where his fitness is at, literally does not care. He will just go out, run whatever pace it happens to be. He won't ever like, cr- like kill himself out there. He just runs at like a nice, you know, steady, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Other people other coaches that we have, I'm not going to name names here, but they know who they are, right? <laughs> they will um, they will not race unless they're at a certain fitness level. They just won't do it. They will not even go. They, like, they won't go. They won't run the race because to them, it's they're not motivated by that. They don't find mm-hmm. that um, motivational. And so no, no shame either way, right? Like no shame if you don't want to do the race just because you're not where you want to be. No shame in doing the race, um, even though you're not in your peak fitness or you're not gonna like hammer it, right? So it's all about what you wanna do, how you wanna be as a runner, and if that ever is not lining up with what you are currently doing, then that's maybe where you need to evaluate. But I don't think there's like, there's never like a right or wrong way to run a race. Yeah, this is a fun topic. I had a couple thoughts come to mind here and 
you know, when we look at that marathon pace that we should be training at, you know, based on our, where our fitness is at in a 5k or whatever, um, you know, we know it's very difficult to run to, you know, achieve that time. And even higher level athletes that target that pace from the get go, a lot of them, unless it's, you know, a great day and they end up running close to the race of their life or meeting their goal, a lot of them will slow down and then they'll end up running in the gray zone towards the end of the race. And so, um, I think you mentioned this earlier, the best approach, especially if you're not a very experienced marathoner, um, would be just to have a good race and to feel good and to finish strong. And so to, to hold back. And so you want to basically train this way in all of your long runs. And so you want to make sure that you're, um, focusing on like progressive effort, um, negative splits, those sorts of things that can really go a long way in building a positive mindset and learning, you know, how to overcome those mental barriers when they, when they happen during those longer, those longer runs. And so, yeah, definitely a fun topic. And, you know, the marathon is just, it is so difficult and, um, it's, it's, um, it's fun to see it. And, you know, one of the reasons why elites can hop into the marathon and do well in their first or second, you know, marathon race, we see that we saw that with like Galen Rupp when he jumped in there, his, his training was at such a high level for so long where he was already doing super long runs, you know, two hour runs plus, um, all the time. So he was running 20 plus miles in training. So that's a different story. And so you never want to really compare yourself to someone that has been running for a long time. Or who's a professional athlete. Exactly. <laughs> and so just know that you're kind of on your own journey and, and it can take years of consistent training to really start to feel mm-hmm. good about, um, you know, how to execute the right race for you in a marathon distance. Um, and part of that just comes with time and experience and, and knowing that we don't get a lot of opportunities to run marathons, you know, they they take a toll on us. And so we have to kind of space them out and train smart. Right. Yeah, no, it's an interesting topic thinking about race pace, gray zone, um, all of the, all of those things. And, and just another note when we're talking about the gray zone, it maybe sounds like this horrible place that you shouldn't be, but in reality, it's just an aerobic zone that is a little bit too fast to fully recover in between workouts. So a lot of people ask, oh, like, should I, like, avoid the gray zone? And it's like, well, I mean, technically, the gray zone's, like, okay to run in, but you're not probably going to see as good of improvements as you would if you polarized your training, right? So it's not, like, a horrible – it's not something, like, so bad. It's not, like, cancer or something, you know? It's just, like, we just – say, hey, avoid this zone if you are going to be doing workouts um, and if you are trying to reach your potential, if you're trying to not get burnt out, if you're trying to run higher mileage weeks, all of those things. But if you're just going out to like enjoy running and just sleep, like you don't care about goals or pacing and all those things, there's nothing wrong with running in the gray zone. There's really nothing wrong with, you know, doing any sort of running, right? There's it's all about what your goals are and then training according to those goals. And so that's why I think working with a coach can be really beneficial because they can help you with what, how to reach your goals, right? So sometimes it just takes sitting down, evaluating what your long-term goals are and then setting those small benchmarks to get there. And that's how you can get really excited, start building momentum towards those goals. And that way the gray zone it becomes like a thing of the past. You don't even think about it anymore. You're not even tempted to train it anymore because you have these goals. You have training that's so specific to you where you just wake up and do what the training says every day and you're so focused on that long-term goal and those benchmarks to get there that it just becomes something you don't even really think about anymore. And so if that's something you're interested in, working with a coach, getting specialized training and training specifically to you, polarized training, 
You can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com to get a free seven-day trial. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Fill out the form on our website and we can get you set up with a free seven-day training trial specifically for you. So thanks for tuning in.